are starting a new chapter, Baruch Hashem, tonight, chapter 5. And before we proceed with chapter 5, which is a much shorter chapter than 3 and 4. If you remember, chapters 1 and 2 were kind of short, and 3 was really long, and 4 was really long. Chapter 5 is fairly short. Um, but before we go ahead and learn chapter 5, I just want to go back to the very end of the preface. And if you remember, at the very end of the preface, Rabbeinu Bechaya gives an overview of what the seven chapters are going to be about, if you remember that. So, chapter 5, he says, is Bahafresh it's about the difference between the way who one it's about the difference between the way one who trusts in Hashem employs the means of obtaining a livelihood and the way one who does not trust in Hashem employs means of making a livelihood okay so that's what we're talking about. And we've, we've spoken about Bitochen specifically in the context of Parnosa uh, at length in other contexts. Um, but now we're going to speak about it again in a, in a specific way. Um, and that is, we're focusing on the practical difference um, at the end of the day, as they say, you have two people, and one has betochen, one doesn't have betochen. They both get up and go to work and have a job, or you know, have investments or business dealings or something. They both have kalim for parnasa. So what's the difference really between the two of them, right? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Chapter five. Aval the difference between one who trusts in Hashem and the other, the other guy, the guy who doesn't. In terms of their involvement in employing means for a livelihood, what we referred to before as kalim, as the vessels of a livelihood. Oimer, I say, that the one who trusts in Hashem is distinguished from one who does not rely on Hashem in seven ways. And I've told you before that Rabbeinu Bechaya seems to like lists. How do, why do I say seems to like lists? Because he does a lot of lists. So now we have another list. And this is basically chapter 5. This is what chapter 5 is. The list of seven differences in terms of how they go about making a livelihood. The differences between the one who has betochen and the one who does not. And of course, of course, it goes without saying. The one who has betochen goes about making a livelihood. He makes, again, to use the, the phrase, he uses, he, he goes about making kalim, employing natural means for a livelihood. 
And as the Teva Lavonin points out, obviously the Beteach Bashem also employs natural means. We've spoken about that at length already. What we're learning now is the difference. This is how the Teva Lavonin explains it. We're learning now the differences in how they feel about those endeavors, how they react to different things that come up while they are involved in those endeavors. And that will be where you'll see a difference between the one who has Bitochen and the one who doesn't. They're both going to go off to work. They're both going to have Kalim, but they're going to feel about it very differently. All right, let's talk about it. Echad mayhem, one of them, the first difference. Ki habaytech belekim reitze bedinei bechol the one who trusts in Hashem accepts his judgment under all conditions, who may delay and acknowledges, or maida can mean acknowledge or it can mean thanks. It's interesting, in Lashon Kodesh, acknowledging something and being grateful for it are the same word. It's sort of a worldview. You know, some people, <laughs> they will acknowledge something that they're grateful for. But something that causes them pain and they don't like, no, they won't acknowledge it. They'll be in denial. Or, or even if it's not complete, you know, delusional denial, at least it's like anger, which is a form of delusion. It's just, it, my father told me this joke. I, I often say this. Um, what's the difference between a psychotic and an erotic? So a psychotic thinks 2 plus 2 equals 5. An erotic knows 2 plus 2 equals 4, and he can't stand it, right? So a person who says, no, this is not the reality, Okay, so that's delusional, that's, you know, in denial. Then another person says, no, this is the reality, but it shouldn't be. Well, apparently it should, because that's the way Hashem just did it. Um, so the person who doesn't like something, you know, if he's not grateful for it, so then he won't acknowledge it. Either he won't acknowledge it's real, or he won't acknowledge that it's just. But uh, a Yid, which, by the way, is a Yehudi, and a Yehudi is from the word Haidah, or to be Maideh, is the exact reverse, that because he acknowledges it, therefore he's grateful for it. So that word maideh, ani maideh, or maideh ani, that we say the first thing when we get up in the morning every day, sort of sets the tone. I acknowledge and therefore I'm grateful. Not because I'm grateful, now I'll acknowledge that this thing is real or true. No, because it's real. And how do I know it's real? Because Hashem is making it right now. Therefore, of course I'm grateful. Well, what if he makes something that's painful or unpleasant? Okay, but I'm grateful for that too, because he has his reasons why that is the best good. So, he is moide. He is grateful and he acknowledges. He accepts fully. Let's continue back inside the text. On the good and on the bad, except it's not really bad. It's apparent bad, but really it's all good. It says in Eov, Hashem gave, Hashem took. Let the name of Hashem be blessed. So whether Hashem gives or Hashem takes, it's all good, even if we can't see it. We don't need, we don't need to see it in order for it to be so. And also another verse. David HaMelech says, whether Hashem treats me with chesed, meaning kindness, or mishpat, judgment, meaning severity, Ashira, I'm going to sing. I'm going to sing either way. So whether Hashem gives me 
a good day or Hashem gives me a good day. Right? There's two kinds of good days. There's a good day that's easy and pleasant. And then there's a good day that hurts like hell and it seems awful. But that's also a kind of a good day. And if I can't see it, okay, I can't see it. But again, just because I don't see it doesn't mean it's not so. So therefore, I'm going to sing either way. And our sages of blessed memory have said, Im chesed ashira, this is how they explain that verse in Tehillim, if it's kindness, I will, I will sing, mishpat ashira, if it's judgment, I will sing, v'yamru, and they say, the sages say also, chay of odim levarich al hara, a person is obligated to make a bracha, to thank Hashem, both for the bad, or the apparent bad, keshem, exactly like shehu mevarich ala teva, he makes a blessing, he acknowledges, and he thanks Hashem for the apparent good. Whereas, in contrast, one who does not have bitochin, he will congratulate himself for good. Not only he likes it, but he congratulates himself for it, because he thinks it's his prowess. In the end, he attributes it somehow to himself. To make Shinema, like it says, Ki Hilel Rasha al Hashem. A wicked man glories in his heart's desire, a violent man exults, blaspheming God. And then when something happens that is apparently bad, meaning something that he doesn't like, then he gets angry. He gets angry, Kameshinema, like it says. Says, when he is hungry, he becomes angry and curses his king and his God, turning heavenward. So that's the first difference. First difference is how they handle a situation that doesn't feel good, doesn't seem good, at least not the way we conventionally define it. So the person who has bitochen says, this is also good, right? Gamzula Teva, this is also good. And the person who doesn't have Betochen, so if it turns out well, he takes credit, to some extent at least. If it doesn't turn out well, meaning the way we define turning out well, then he gets indignant. How is this so? How is this possible? Two plus two, two, plus two equals four? Well, it shouldn't. I don't like that number. You know, make it equal something else, right? Okay. Okay, the Hasheni, the second difference. His soul is at rest, and his heart is at ease in the face of decrees. Decrees means uh, kind of like we were talking about previously. When Hashem decrees, uh, you know, a decree is usually something harsh, something unpleasant. Ledaitai, knowing. Like, he has peace, why? Because Ledaita, in his knowledge, knowing that what? That Hashem, the Creator, will direct everything for his good in this world and in the next world. So even when there's a gzeda, when even when there's a harsh development, he is calm because he knows this. it's all working out. It's all working out. You know, I heard once... I told you, I already revealed one of my secrets, that I get a lot of great vertelach from uh, recovery speakers. So I once heard this lady from, uh, she was actually a Jewish lady, 
not not religious, but a, a, a Jewish lady, an AA speaker, and she was saying how, um, you know, I look back at my life and all the times that, you know, things felt like they were falling apart. Everything was falling apart. My life was falling apart. She says, but now when I look back, I see those, those times that I thought things were falling apart. I look back and I see that they were really all falling into place. The only thing is I had to get used to the falling. So as a person, the second things get destabilized. And by destabilized, what does destabilized mean? How stable is anything? I mean, if you want to run life on self-will, you know, and have the illusion of control. So yeah, the, and then the minute that you wake up to reality that you're not in control of anything other than yourself, all of a sudden you feel destabilized, right? So if you're running life on self-will, yeah, so you have these moments where things are falling apart. It's falling apart, it's falling apart. But if uh, you have betochen from beginning to middle to end, then even the falling is all part of the process. It's all falling into place. Like, let it fall. Let it just... Ride it out. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. So, uh, so he's calm. He's relaxed. Like David said in Tehillim, My soul. He's speaking to his soul. And he says, Wait quietly for Hashem, for my hope comes from Him. In other words, just relax. Just stick around. Don't leave before the miracle happens. It's all going to be good. What do they say? Hakol yetov basof. It's all going to be good in the end. If it's not yet good, it's not yet the end. Like, <laughs> by the way, even that means if it's not yet good, meaning in your subjective impression of things. But obviously, reality, objectively, it is good even now, while it's becoming subjectively good. V'asher einenu beitech ve'lekim hu betzar tader u'daiga ruka ve'evil ve'etzav. So, the one who doesn't trust in Hashem is in a state of constant distress, protracted anxiety, and sorrow and sadness. Which never leave him, whether in good times or in bad times. See, that's the curse. The one who is lacking trust in Hashem and whose peace of mind comes from the illusion of self-will, being able to give you some type of control or some ability to expect certain outcomes. You know, so that guy's miserable whether things are going well or not going well. See, it's interesting. The guy with betochen, he's relaxed when things are going well, meaning, subjectively speaking, going well. He's also relaxed when things are not seeming to go well, because like I said before, it's like, it's okay, it's falling into place. It's not falling apart, it's falling into place, even when it's falling. But the guy without betochen, He's miserable when things are falling apart. For sure, that's not a chiddush. And he's also miserable when things are going well. Beteva, when things are going well, why is he miserable? Because of his discontent with his situation. It's never enough. It's never exactly right. And his desire to add, to increase, and to amass. So even when things are good, it's never exactly, you know, it could just be just a little bit. If it was almost perfect, it was just a drop too humid, and uh, some guy next to me was breathing funny, and it was distracting me. But it was almost, eh, what just, 
really there was a lot of, yeah, 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 there were a lot of problems. He fills out his comment card to Hashem. Yeah. He has a lot of complaints. Yeah. And then when things go negatively, for sure he's going to be agitated. Because he's disgusted by it. Because it conflicts with his desire, his nature, and his personality. And that is what the wise man said. The wise man is King Solomon, the quintessential wise man. All the days of the miserable are evil. Ani here doesn't mean a pauper like it normally means. It means a miserable person. All the days of the miserable are bad, are evil. And someone with a good heart, a good-hearted person with a winner attitude, so his life is a continual feast, a continual party. Anything else? Isn't there a place to feel sad and upset with how things are going? <laughs> Not really, no. <clears throat> but let me distinguish between being in pain and feeling sad. You don't have any control over whether or not something is painful. Like the Rebbe used to say, When it hurts, you say, Ow. So, you know, pain is pain. Even emotional pain. You know, emotional pain is not a choice. Um, suffering is a choice, right? Pain is unavoidable. Suffering is self-inflicted. What's the difference? Pain is... Something happens and it hurts, whether you step on a tack and it's physical pain or somebody insults you, you know, it's emotional pain. Um, that's pain, and that's, you know, an automatic response that you can't control. So what are you supposed to do? There's nothing you can do. Suffering is a second after the pain. You go into your head and you start meditating on the pain and, and, and usually writing a story about it where you are a victim, you know, so it's, you, start, you start to philosophize, why me? Why does stuff like this always happen to me? All right, so now you're self-inflicting, right? That's the suffering. Now you're telling yourself a story, a victim story, and in, in, now you're, you're causing the suffering. You cross the bridge from pain, which is unavoidable, to suffering, which is self-inflicted. So sadness is definitely in the category of self-inflicted suffering. So if I would tell you, don't, 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 don't feel hurt. Well, some things hurt. There's nothing you can do. You know, step on attack, it hurts. You know, you experience loss, God forbid, but it hurts. And there's nothing emotionally unhealthy or spiritually weak about feeling pain in life. The problem is when you allow your pain to get you down and to turn into sadness or anxiety or resentment or anger, all the toxic emotions. So... Um, yeah, you're allowed to feel, not, I shouldn't even say you're allowed to feel pain. How can you be allowed or not allowed to do something that you can't control? That's like saying you're allowed to be hungry. Well, I can't control, I can control what I eat, but I can't control whether or not I feel hungry. Right? I can control the things that I have a choice over. Feeling hunger, hunger or not feeling hunger is not a choice. Same thing, feeling pain or not feeling pain is not a choice. So, yeah, you, you know, some things are painful. 
And again, like I said, if it hurts, you say, ow. But that's a lot different than sadness, where you take that sensation and turn it into an emotion. See the difference between a sensation and an emotion? A sensation is automatic. It's a stimulus response. Something hurts, that's a sensation. But it's not a feeling, like an emotion. Although, we use the misnomer, we say, I feel tired, I feel hungry, I feel cold. Those aren't feelings, those are sensations. And even emotional pain is a sensation. Okay? And, and that's why we can't control it. But then there are, there, are, there are emotions. But like Tanya teaches us, all emotions come from the intellect. Emotions are in the heart, but they come from the brain. So we don't have an emotion until we meditated upon something. We don't think we meditated on it, we did. Okay? When you're lying in bed at 3 in the morning and perseverating on a thought, that's called meditation. And that's where the emotions come from. So the fact that something hurts, that happened automatically, and there's no control that you have over it. But the fact that it causes you to be sad, or worried, or depressed, or anxious, or angry, that's because you went and you meditated on that thing and, and created the suffering. Okay? Um, Maybe not for now, but I haven't been on this class for a week. Oh, oh no. This person said they just got up from Shiva. I'm so sorry. They say, I didn't realize getting up from Shiva that I would feel so sad. And this heaviness. I thought things would be back to normal. Well, yeah. You know, that's why Hazal and their infinite understanding of human psychology told us that it's not just the week. It's the, the week, and then the Shleshim 30 days, and then the 11 months, and Siyam Akadish, and then the 12 months, the Yortzeit. It's, yeah, it's, it's Shnas Avelis Le'aleinu for a reason. It's a year of mourning. We shouldn't know of such things for, for a reason. Um, and it's a, it's a process. And this isn't something that, um, oh, you know, you're being a wimp. Oh, you know, just get over it. If you had betochen, it wouldn't, uh, wouldn't bother you. No, this is, this is pain. This is real pain. And um, you have to respect the process. You have to allow yourself to go through. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, please send me privately your, your father's name, if, if you're comfortable doing so, and maybe we can dedicate some learning to him. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, a more general question about this. Don't you find that although this is the way we should leave, live, it's hard to find people that actually live this way? You know, I never liked that question. I'm sorry to say that. That's not like a nice way for me to answer, but I never liked that question, and I'll tell you why. People can always say, well, you know, it's a great idea, but how many people do you know? You know what? You know what? I, I know that line of questioning, and I know where it heads, and it's nowhere productive. It's not a productive line of questioning. Uh, you know, um, imagine you would go to therapy. Let's go, you go, you go to the, let's say you go to couples counseling, and, uh, you know, you have uh, sort of a breakthrough of self-awareness. And, uh, then, then, and then you say to the counselor, says, well, you say, well, you know, I definitely see how if I would practice this type of uh, behavior in my marriage, you know, I would have a better marriage. But realistically, how many spouses do you know who really act this way? Okay, so then forget it. So we're done. You already just, are you taking a survey? 
Are you finding out what's popular, or are you trying to find out what's right? All right, and, and those two seldomly go together, incidentally, popular and right. So I, it's not a productive line of question. Don't ask me, well, how many people do you know? It's like everyone who learns Tanya always says, well, how many people are really on the level of Bainini? You know what? Is that the question we should be asking? You only have to ask yourself a question. Can I do something right now to be one step closer to the level of Bainini for myself? Don't ask me, are we taking a poll over here, how many Bainanim there are in the world? What's the difference, and what if you'd be the only one? For all intents and purposes, it would have you know, no practical bearing on your learning of Tanya if you found out you were the Bainini that the Alta Rebbe was writing to. And that's it. So I don't think it's a productive line of questioning. Someone writes here, they, they don't know the right people. Yes, that's true also. You know what? Thank you. Thank you for writing that. They don't know the right people. I want to tell you something. There are some people who maybe they don't have 100% betochen 100% of the time, but they have some pretty terrific betochen. And a lot of those people are on this class right here, okay? And don't even know what kind of role models they are because they're just, you know, they're humble people who are just putting one foot in front of the other and trying to live their lives. But I want to tell you something. There are people who are really dealing with all types of challenges in life with real grace and real poise all the time. And maybe they don't make as much noise because, you know, complainers make more noise than, than healthy people. But, yeah, there are plenty of great examples of people who are really using these tools on a day-to-day -day basis in a terrific way. Um, okay. All right, I have the information for the name of the Nifter. And uh, you know, I mentioned right now, David Alevi ben Meisha, Neshama should have an Aliyah. And very soon with the coming of Mashiach, he should be reunited with his loved ones here in this world. Okay, um, we will continue, Amir Hashem, with chapter, more of chapter 5, uh, next class, okay? All right, good night.